Lord, to pursue who you're making us to be and, and to pursue you and, and just all the good stuff that you bring us. God, I pray that you'd help us to be steadfast. Lord, help us to walk forward uh, despite circumstances. Lord, there are rocks in our lives. But Jesus, I thank you that uh, you as our root grow deep. And you bring us strength. So guys, we talk about pursuing you and about following you and continuing on what was already started. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do it by your strength. Jesus, that we wouldn't try to, you know, just tough it out, pull up our bootstraps and keep going, Lord. That we would look to you as the author and perfecter of our faith. That we would chase you uh, into the life that you have for us. And so God, I pray for David when he comes up. Lord, that you would uh, speak through him, that it would be your words. Lord, I pray for us as we listen, that our minds would be open, that our hearts would be open. Lord, that we would do our best to live out your word. So, Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. One of the things I forgot to mention during the announcements was the fact that we had the Awana quiz yesterday afternoon, but we had the Valley Christian School soup supper last night, and they had almost 800 people come and eat soup, and uh, many of you were there, and we want to thank you for your support of Valley Christian School. There were, I, I don't know, there was all kinds of stuff being auctioned off, and my favorite, though, my favorite thing that was auctioned off were, of course, Holly Trowbridge's cakes. And, and there were two in particular um, that I wanted to bid on. And, you know, last year, um, my wife, you know, she was not quite as supportive as I was. Um, but I, I gave $85 for a cake last year. You know, I was, you know, thinking that was... There was a lady in there last night, and maybe some of you knew her. There was a red velvet cake. She paid $350 for it. And then there was later one, the one that I really wanted to buy was a, was a chocolate um, cake with, with peanut butter um, um, cream cheese in it. Was it like $450 that cake went for? I mean, it was just, I just so appreciate the generosity of our community. That's Valley Christian School's number one fundraiser of the year. That's, that's how, really how their teachers get paid and how a lot of the expenses get made. And, and so just really appreciate um, their commitment. And, and those teachers, you know, really teaching on a missionary salary. Um, if you have kids there or run into or know of any of those teachers, thank them for, for the value that it is for our, our, a lot of our children. To be to be educated in a Christian school, so uh, what a what a great thing that was last night. Um, now, does anybody here like watching a good mystery movie? 
uh, a really good mystery movie. You know those, or reading a mystery book where, where there's the plot turns and it changes and you thought it was going one way and then it ends up not going that direction. And then, for me, I don't really particularly care for mysteries, to be honest with you. I, I get to the end of some of them and I still don't know what happened or who did it. And, and it's just like I can watch it again and then it's like, really? I, I, I just don't get into those things. But, but a good treasure hunting movie. Now, I'm all about that. I'm all over that, you know... Um, national treasure and a lot of those where there's this treasure map and there are these codes and they have to decipher them and then they go hunt it down and you know I think that's probably why I enjoy geocaching so much you know some of those are puzzles to figure out the coordinates to put into your GPS to go to a certain place and to find something and 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 although it's not treasure you know in the total sense of the word it, for me it's the satisfaction of having conquered something of found I found something that really is secret. A lot of people don't know that those things are there. And, uh, and, and, and that's a lot of fun. Now, there is something about treasure hunting that's true of all treasure hunting. I mean, like there's the antique road show where people bring stuff in and it's like, oh, I, please, I hope this dusty thing that I just pulled out of the bottom of my closet is worth something. And, and sometimes it is. And, and I get excited when somebody has something that they didn't think they had before and they find out that it had great value. And, and it's, it just... It, it, of course, it would be even more exciting if I pulled something from my attic, you know, and took it in, and it, it was worth a, a lot. But um, there's this desire and this effort to find something that's really valuable. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. You know, unless you subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, you probably missed the story, or maybe you weren't even born yet, that was in May 17th, 1987 edition. Okay? Um, a rock hound by the name of Rob Cutshaw, who owned a little roadside shop outside Andrews, North Carolina, like many in the trade, hunts for rocks, then sells them to collectors or jewelry makers. He knows enough about rocks to decide which to pick up and sell, but he's no expert, and he always leaves the appraising of his rocks to other people. Now, as much as he enjoys the work, it doesn't really pay the bills. He has some extra things that he does on the side, like cutting wood to help put bread on the table. And, but while on a dig 20 years ago, uh, Rob found, this would have been 1967, Rob found a rock he described as purdy and big. Okay? A rock that he found. I find a lot of purdy big, well, purdy big, some of them, but purdy and big rocks. <clears throat> he tried unsuccessfully to sell the specimen, and according to this Constitution News article, kept the rock under his bed, or sometimes in his closet. He guessed the blue chunk could bring as much as $500, but he would have taken much less if something urgent came up, like he needed to pay his electric bill. That's how close Rob came to hawking for a few hundred dollars, what turned out to be the largest, most valuable sapphire at that time ever found. Okay, the blue rock, the purdy and big rock that Rob had abandoned in the darkness of a closet two decades ago, now known as the Star of David Sapphire, weighs nearly a pound and could easily sell for between two and three million dollars. Now think about that. Think about the, the treasure that he had in his hands. And I think about the... <coughs> Excuse me. How ecstatic he was when he found out that it was worth between two and three million dollars, this treasure. And can you only imagine the desperation and the sadness he would have felt 
if he had sold it for $300 and then later found out how much of a treasure it, w- it really was and he just let it get away. And, and, and what we're going to be talking about today is, is the greatest treasure ever. The greatest treasure. And we sometimes sort of gloss over it and don't understand the gravity of its worth. And, and I hope that by the end of today that, that we have a little more understanding. Now, another thing that I read about was uh, uh, this treasure hunt. One of the better known treasure hunts in modern times is the quest to find the rumored wealth known as the Beale Treasure. Now, a raise of hands, who has heard of the Beale Treasure? One. Have you heard of it, Alan? And did you hear it at first service? Yeah, that's what I thought. So I was like, well known. I, I've never heard of it before. But, but here's the thing that intrigued me about this. The hunt for this Beale treasure began when an eccentric man who left the East for the gold and silver mines of the West returned home, supposedly hid a vast amount of wealth, then disappeared forever. All he left behind were several messages written in a mysterious code. One of those messages, when deciphered, told of the treasure and others told of its approximate location. Now, since the Beale document first came to light, thousands of man-hours and hundreds of thousands of dollars have been spent attempting to break the codes and to find the legendary treasure. Of course, they were able to decipher the one that describes the treasure and what it is, but they've not been able to describe any of the other ones that tell where it is. And I even read an article that said they're not even sure if it's even real. It could be just this big hoax and this person put all of these people on this wild goose chase. We don't know. But, but, but that's one of the exciting things about looking for treasure, isn't it? Some, you think it's there, you, you may have an idea that it's there, and if you could only get it, you know, your life would be so much different. It would be, it would be changed. And, and I love to see, I love to see people on TV find something that's of value, that's a treasure. I mean, I just smile. I, I may even, you know, laugh out loud on occasion, audibly, when I see it on television because I'm excited for that person when they, when they see that. And I'm almost equally as disappointed when, when you know, some of those shows, they tell them, well, it's, it, it's likely this. This actually happened to us. My son found a spearhead. And, and, and the first person he talked to said, said that actually he offered him $2,000 on the spot. He said, I'll give you $2,000. And we were like, well, we talked to somebody who, unfortunately, we listened to their advice. Um, you'll understand why in just a moment. Um, who said, wait, you should hold, don't sell it right now, wait, because it could be worth more. Well, you know what happened, right? It was worth far less. It, it actually turned out not to be what we thought it was. And he got a couple hundred dollars for it. But, but, and in his mind, that's just how life goes for him. You know, I never find anything really cool. Um, but what he did find was really cool. I mean, that thing was this big, complete, full. I mean, it, it didn't, wasn't broken in half or anything. And, and, and so it was, this, it, it was this treasure. I love to see people find treasure. And, and there's always a good amount of mystery that surrounds treasure often, right? With these treasure maps and that sort of thing. Uh, there was also a very incredible mystery in antiquity surrounding some good news, wasn't there? It, it was a mystery for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But as we all saw, 
this last week, as I'm sure we all studied, the for further study that, that was on the back of your notes, sermon notes from last week that you got in church, right? You took that home and, and you studied the for further study. Right on any heads nodding. Um, okay, um, well, that's, that's what we found. We found in the end of Colossians chapter 1, um, because we're not going to cover every passage on Sunday mornings. We're, it's a five-week study in Colossians. We can't possibly get over... I mean, it would take a year, I think, to really go through the book of Colossians. So we're going to take five weeks. And then if you look on the back side of your note sheet, even today, there's a for further study for you to, to, to study this week, the next section of Colossians that we're not going to be looking at. And then next week, as I'm excited to hear um, Doug Lewis come and bring the message on Colossians chapter 3 um, next week. So... Um, what Colossians chapter 1 revealed to us, and if you would turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, and let's look at verses 25, 26, and 27. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, grab one from underneath a seat or from behind a chair, if it's behind you, and turn to page 1165. That's where you'll find the book of Colossians if you're unfamiliar with the Bible. Colossians chapter 1, verses 25, 26, and 27. I have become its servant, Paul says, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been hidden has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. So there was this mystery, there was this thing that was hidden that, that God had not said anything about, and one day, boom, there's the answer. Jesus comes. And He is and the fulfillment of this mystery. Jesus is supreme and sufficient, as we saw last week. And in His supremacy and sufficiency, we have been chosen, the Bible says. Jesus has been made known to us. And when we believe and put our trust in Jesus as Lord, we receive glorious riches. Christ in us. Think about that. And with Christ in us, we have the hope of glory. Now that's a treasure. That is treasure. And this treasure starts with us receiving the Word of God in its fullness. Paul has brought it to the people in Colossae via this letter that he's sending them, and now we are reading its amazing truth as well. Now, I want to go back to something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. It's going to be on the screen up here. It's a parable that Jesus told on how much of, of a treasure the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven <clears throat> is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You see this treasure, this kingdom of God, these glorious riches that, that we receive when we have Christ in us is worth everything that you could ever own or would ever want to own or would ever want to have or do have. You know, the, the trouble is, we, we get in this place where, where things get in the way of God. Whether that's a relationship or that's money or that's a lifestyle or whatever it is, we, we get in this place where we put that up and over God and, and we instead of focusing on the kingdom of God as our treasure... We hold on to those other things as our treasure. 
And Jesus says, no. He said, listen to this illustration. This person found this treasure in this field. The treasure is the kingdom of God. And he was willing to sell everything so that he could buy that property and have the, have the treasure. You see, it is worth so much more than... It's, it's no wonder Jesus said that it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because that rich man is holding on to his stuff. And he's unwilling to, to, to let it go in order to gain the kingdom of God. So, what, what I would say is if, if, if you have lots of money and that's in the way, or you have a relationship and that's in the way, or you have lots of things, maybe it's fast cars, maybe it's lots of property, maybe it's a certain relationship or a job or whatever. In my humble opinion, if you have those things in your life and they are taking precedent over the kingdom of God, over your relationship with Jesus Christ, then you need to sell them or give them away or end that relationship or find a different job or, or whatever it is. Yeah, that's a drastic move. But you know what? So is selling everything you have to, to buy a field. It, it is that important and that valuable. Now, this morning we're, we're going to focus on two verses. Turn to chapter 2 in Colossians. Uh, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Those are the two verses that we're going to look at this morning. And, and I thought, wow, this is going to be great. We're just going to focus on two verses. It'll be quick. You know, and then first service... It, it went a little bit long. So we're going to see where we go. Here's the thing. I've, I've been encouraging you to, to memorize Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. In, in my next steps for the last two weeks, it's been the same verse. And I have been trying myself to memorize it. I, I printed up this little thing so I could take it with me and I could, could repeat it and meditate on it. And for the life of me, I cannot commit this verse, these two verses to memory. I don't know what it is about it. Uh, maybe, I don't know, my spirit's fighting me on it or something, but um, if you have memorized this, awesome. If you haven't, please take the challenge. Um, I'm going to come next week and we'll have sort of a memory verse off, right? We'll see if I can say it better than you can. How's that sound? Uh, Anyway, let's read those two verses. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now you have three places, three truths in your notes, but before we go there, I want to I get us up on one definition. Paul says at the very beginning of that, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. I want to describe what that means. What does it mean to receive Christ Jesus as Lord? Now Paul says... In, in a different place, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, I think Paul gives the, the greatest example, the greatest, clearest verse when it comes to this receiving of Christ Jesus. And this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, when we receive Jesus Christ, those are two things that will happen. We will believe in our hearts that He is Lord. We will surrender everything to Him. He is our supreme. He is our sufficient. He is over everything in my life. Now, we, some would argue with me on that and say, well, you never, you don't really, you know, we always hold things back. 
in some ways we do, but there is a point in time where we say, Lord, I am surrendering everything to you. It's like standing on a stage and becoming husband and wife. You commit your life to that other person, for better or for worse, for richer, for poor, etc., for, for the rest of our lives. Now, do we know everything at that moment in time that, that it's going to take to make this marriage survive and, and there's going to be give and take, etc., as we go through it? No, that's part of the process. And there are things that God points out in your life and mine. He may point, be pointing something out in your life today that He says, I want you to get rid of this. I want you to root this out. I want to root this out of your life. You need to surrender to me. And so we do on a daily, on a, on a weekly, on a monthly basis, we do that. But there's a point in time in life when we say, when we surrender to Jesus as our Lord, and, Paul says, that we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, that Jesus Christ, who walked this earth as history shows, was born of a virgin, was crucified, surrendered His life to the Romans, and then three days later rose again. We believe that's true. And you surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord, Paul says, you will be saved. But see, that news right there, that event right there, is just the beginning. That's not the end of the story. Too many times, I think we treat our salvation like we treat our homeowner's insurance. You know, we, 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 we get this thing that's supposed to protect us, right? And what, what do you do? What do you honestly do with your homeowner's insurance policy when you get it in the mail. I'll bet some of you might even just throw it away you, because they have a copy of it at the insurance company, right? You don't really need to keep it. Or you put it in a drawer, right? And you close the drawer and you never look at it again until, of course, you get the renewal or whatever and then you do that all over again. It, it, it doesn't become a part of your everyday life. It's just something that you got. You know your, it's your fire insurance, right? We sort of use salvation that way. I've got my... I'm, I'm, it's my get-out-of-hell-free card. I've got it. Right? I've got it. I don't, I don't need anything else, and I don't need to do anything else. And we put it in our wallet, and we put it in our pocket, and that's it. And we don't experience and we don't search out the treasure that's really available to us following that moment in time. And, and that's what I want to communicate to you. That's what Paul is telling us today. There, there is treasure ahead. There is treasure ahead. You see... It doesn't, we are saved into the hope of glory, it says. We are saved into something. We are saved for something, to be a part of something, not just to be saved. I mean, there's, there's more to the story. The, the foundation of our salvation isn't the end, but the beginning of life that will continue to be built on. So truth number one, Paul says, is this, as you received, so live. As you received, he says, so live. And this is a call to live our lives out according to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, when he says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. See, as with Jesus as the supreme authority in our life, as a Christian, whether you're new or old, we have surrendered to him. We have given up our life to him, and we now submit to him and his will and desires for us in everything. So on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day, month-by-month basis, you and I, as we go through the process of life, we have this constant conversation with Jesus, or at least we should be having. And, and I think that conversation kind of looks like this. Lord, Lord Jesus, is this thing that I'm seeking after, is this what you want for me? Is, is, is this relationship, is this worthy of you? Um, does this glorify you? Am I engaged in something here in life that, that glorifies my Savior, who is supreme, who is the supreme authority over my life? 
Does this edify me? Is this something that's good for me? God, God wants good things for us, and He gives us good gifts. Is this, this activity or this job or this relationship or whatever I'm about to engage in, it, does this fit into those things? Would, it be, would I continue to be living a life worthy of the Lord if I were to do this or do that? Because, you know, after last week, I was feeling like maybe there was a lot of, a lot of truth and knowledge and, and not a whole lot of application. And what we're going to see, and, and I mentioned further in the message, is that Paul, Paul, yes, taught theology and he thought truth and he thought knowledge, but he never only taught that. He always said, okay, he, there was always a therefore or a because of or so now. So now that this, then this. And, and, and it's a changed life. So what did you receive from God at conversion? When, when, you, when you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you believed that He was the Messiah and your Savior, what did you receive? Think about that. There, there's three things that, that I want to quickly go over that we all received. The first thing we received was love. Unconditional love. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 15, says this, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like Him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You see, God, uh, we love because he first loved us. So we have received something. We have received love. And Paul says, as you received, so live. As we have received love, then we are to love others in the same way that He loved us. And the only reason that we're even able to love anyone is because Christ is in us. As you received, so live. We received forgiveness. Complete and total forgiveness. Acts chapter 13, verse 38 says, Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Is that not an amazing treasure and part of your and my everyday life as we are imperfect people and we sin? And when we repent of those sins and when we turn them over to Jesus Christ, He says what? Oh, I want you to run 10 miles, do 400 push-ups, and you know, help 14 lady, old ladies cross the street. Then I will forgive you. No, that's not what he says. He says that if we confess our sins, he will forgive us. And this is the amazing thing of that verse to me. He will purify us from what? 
all unrighteousness. What a treasure. What a, what a daily treasure. He, he will cleanse us of all of that. And, and we can and we should forgive others because of the forgiveness that we have received ourselves. That should flow through us. Just as you have received, Paul says, so live. The third thing that we receive from God is blessing. Good gifts from God. James 1, 17 and 18 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. As I read that verse today, I thought, as, as I read that over and over, all of the other verses and passages that we've been talking about for the past month all jump into the understanding of that. It's, it's, it's like they're all together. God is speaking this constant and steady truth that, that there is this word of truth that we need to hear and we need to believe and, and that when we do, there, there become these first fruits. There, we begin to produce fruit, the fruit of the gospel. Our spiritual rebirth is the ultimate gift, of course, but it doesn't stop there. I mean, there are so many things that we have in life. Breath. You have breath because God breathed it into you. I, I mean, some people think it's, you know, the doctor spanking the baby. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that's a part of the miracle of birth. We are given that life by God. And as we are living Christ-like lives, we pass those things on that we receive from Him to other people around us. And it changes their lives as well. We are called to be like Jesus. So live, Paul says. Just as we have received, so live. And let's not forget the fact that the word live, the word life, is a positive word. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to live. It should make us smile. It should, it should put joy in our heart as we live, realizing that we have abundant life and that each day is a gift. Understanding that those around us are a gift to us as well. Our spouse, our husband, our wife, our children, our, our family members, our, the community that we live in, the people in our church. Let's choose to have a positive attitude as we interact with each other. Just as you received, continue to live in Him. Then Paul says, rooted and built up in Him. As you were rooted, be built up, he says. Paul is saying, don't be content to be young and immature and inexperienced in spiritual things. Again, conversion begins right at the beginning and from there on, we're on a daily treasure hunt. It's not drudgery, it's exciting. It can be difficult at times. And it's certainly not still a mystery. It's an amazing gift. And it's in Him. We shouldn't be looking for other soils to be grown in. We're created intended to grow into the one in which we have been planted in, and that's Christ, as Paul says in chapter 1. Jesus is sufficient. There is nothing else that can be nor need be added John 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says this. It's a great illustration for us here in, in rural Wyoming. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We have to stay constantly connected. 
to Jesus Christ. We won't find greater understanding in human philosophies and ideas. Growth, true growth, comes from our being rooted in Christ. Remember when Paul said that if men or if even an angel tells you something different than what I told you way back when, when I described the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to you, even if an angel tells you, run away, run away, it's not true. If it's different. We need to know what the truth is, that salvation is in Christ alone. Remain in truth. As you were rooted, be built up. Now, I want to say a word, and I want you to, to think about what the first thing that comes to your mind. Lone tree. Okay, lone tree. Some of you might think of a camp. Some of you might be thinking of a small town in Wyoming that has a population of 49. It's actually called a, a census-designated place. Um, lone tree. Well, when I think of Lone Tree, there is another thing that comes to my mind, and, and that's actually Buford, Wyoming, which I think is probably another one of those census-designated places with probably the population of like two or three, right? Um, somebody actually owns Buford. Uh, here is what I think of when I think of Lone Tree. Now, many of you have probably driven by that lots of times. And by now, it's like you don't even notice it. You, all, you knew, all you know is you're kind of up on the flat and you're about to go over the summit into Laramie. Well, there's a story about this tree. Um, of course, there aren't a lot of trees in Wyoming, and there probably weren't as many back when the railroad first came through than, than there are now. But in 1867, when uh, the Union Pacific laid its tracks along this line from Cheyenne to Laramie, the railroad men saw a little limber pine, is what that's called, that seemed to be growing out of a granite boulder, and they actually jogged the railroad sideways to preserve that. Now, that fascinates me. That, that these men, these tough men who were forging ahead and, you know, who brought, pro bought property and coerced people to sell property sometimes so that they could run their railroad through, that they jogged it south to save this tree. Well, they called it Tree in the Rock, and the name stuck. Look at the name over there. Actually, they simplified it for, for the historical sign, Tree Rock. I was just kind of like thinking, couldn't we be a little more creative? You know, lots of people stop and take pictures of this. Really, Tree Rock? But I, anyway, um, the, the railroad, which is not there anymore, was eventually moved south, and then it became a... a a trail ruts for, for wagons that were coming through. And then it became the old Lincoln Highway. And then eventually we know that it became Interstate 80. Right? But what, but what did the interstate do? And all of those other roads as well. There's, the interstate goes around it. And, and there's exit lanes so you can come in and they put a little spiky fence around it, you know, to, to protect it. Uh, but here's the thing about that tree. That tree is growing from a rock. Right? And, and if you think about life, sometimes life can feel like it's as hard as a rock. You know, like, you're, like was mentioned a couple weeks ago, like you're plowing concrete. Like you just, can't, you just can't get moving. But what does that tree, you know what that tree has, right? In order for it to survive, what does that tree have? Deep roots. That, that tree's roots are not just in that rock. They go down through that rock and into soil, and they have found water streams possibly of living water. I mean, that's the only tree within four miles 
Maybe. I don't know that for sure. But, but up on the summit of Laramie, Wyoming, a tree that looks like that out there all by its lonesome has to have some sort of nutrients and some sort of roots in order to, and I wouldn't say just survive, I would say that a tree in that place that looks that good is thriving. That's why it is so important that, that we be connected to Jesus Christ. Because when hard times come, we have that root system and we can survive. That's what life for us is like when we remain in Christ. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. The attitude I like to approach this with is, I can and we can. We can and will continue to be built up because of our being rooted in Christ. And this is an everyday, moment-by-moment way of life. It's constant conversations with Jesus about what we are doing and how we're doing it and what's happening in our life. Responding faithfully and submissively to Jesus, who is our central authority. Just as you received, Paul says, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. And, as you were taught, point three, be established in truth. Be established in truth. Now, Paul was a teacher, wasn't he? He was a great teacher. And where did he learn, I would say, his teaching prowess from? The best teacher to ever walk the planet, Jesus Christ himself who told story after story after story after story to help people get it. And, and, and there's truth here. Paul taught a lot of theological ideas, didn't he? And what was amazing, as I mentioned earlier, that Paul didn't just teach truth, theology. Paul taught, this is how it should happen in your life. This is how you do this. This is what should happen when you believe this. Therefore, whenever, the truth of God's Word should never simply be knowledge just so we can, you know, score big in the Bible trivia game. You know, every day we Google something that probably has very little value in life. I know I do. The meanings of things, how things... I mean, stuff that I really honestly shouldn't know or don't need to know. I don't need to take up my time and my, my effort with that. And, and I need to, to focus it better on the knowledge of Christ. Because when we do that, and this truth enters our life and resides in it and takes root, things change. We think differently. Our attitudes are different. We spend our money on different things. We are, I would say, more patient with our children. We, we, we think about this constant and growing influences that we have. We, uh, the way we treat our husbands and our wives changes. God's Word teaches us and trains us. And, and, and we are not to only know the truth, but to be established in it, to, to where it, it takes root. Like one of those jingles on a television commercial that, that you hear it, you know exactly what it's talking about. That kind of, of knowledge of God's Word and truth. Now, in his book, which provides a statistical analysis of religious beliefs in America, George Barna cites several fascinating, and I might add pretty disappointing, statistics which are based on a national survey that he did in 1993. Now, I don't know if it's changed. I don't know if he's done a new one. My guess is it, it maybe has, has gotten worse, but, but I don't know that for sure. In chapter 4 of this book, he states, he, here's the statement. It, it's a question. He says, do you believe this to be true or not? Here's the statement. The devil or Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil. Okay? That's the statement. 
then asking that segment of his survey respondents who have identified themselves as being born again. They said, we are born again. Okay, this is the people that he, that he poses this to. Okay, he says, you need to either agree strongly, agree somewhat, disagree somewhat, or disagree strongly with this statement that the devil or Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil. The born-again population reply, with 32% agreeing strongly, 11% agreeing somewhat, and 5% said we don't know. Thus, of the total number responding who said they were born again, 48% either agreed that Satan is only symbolic, or they didn't know. That is convicting to me. That is challenging to me. Where is our knowledge of the truth of God's Word? Because if we had that knowledge, we would know that absolutely Satan is real. That he was a created being that chose for himself to rebel against God. And was cast out. There's another question that he asked. A few pages later, Barna would receive some very startling responses. His next question was this. Christians, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, and others all pray to the same God, even though they use different names for that God. Do you strongly agree, agree, disagree, or strongly disagree with that statement? Again, those who said they were born again, of that population surveyed, 30% agreed strongly, 18% agreed somewhat, and 12% didn't know. 60% of those that were surveyed who said they were born again said that Buddhists, Christians, Jews, etc., even though they use different names, all pray to the same God. Where are the roots? There are none. There are none. And I would hope that 100% of us in this room would answer, answer those two questions like I would according to God's Word. But, but there are a lot of questions and things that we can be posed in, 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 in our life. And we need to be, as we were taught, established in truth, as Paul said. So as we search and find the treasure of the kingdom, because it is a treasure... It is a treasure. The treasure that comes from our salvation, I believe that we will in fact find it on a consistent basis. And that our hearts and minds will then overflow with thankfulness and with winds of change in the lives of other people around us. It will, it will happen when we recognize how blessed we truly are. Whether our circumstances are fantastic or not so much. We are blessed. Living in Him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith, there is definitely treasure ahead, and let's not miss it. Let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You for this treasure and, and how much You love us. And, and Lord, I pray that, that You would help us to recognize that there isn't anything that we could own, there isn't any feeling we could wish to have that that is worth holding on to above Jesus Christ. And Lord, my prayer is that every person in this room 
has received Christ Jesus as Lord. And that if there is anyone in here who hasn't, that maybe today would be the day where they surrender their life to you. Lord, I pray that they would continue seeking the truth. Continue to call on them as they cry out to you for answers. And Lord, for those of us who have, Lord, I pray that today would be a challenge and we see this great treasure, this 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 map that we have in our hands called our Bibles and that that we would study it and be grounded in your word so that we may not be swayed by impressive stories or charismatic people or new information. Lord, help us to live as we have received. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before the... uh